0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Welcome to the Jack and Joe Show. We talk about property, business, and everything in between. Hosted by Jack Haskin Taylor and Joe McCarthy. Sharing the stories of entrepreneurs, property investors, and our journey to health, wealth, and happiness. Welcome to another episode of the Jack and Joe Show. With me, Jack Esken Taylor. Me, Joe McCarthy. Today we are here with Billy Turriff. How are you, Billy? Very well, gents. Nice to be on your show, Joe and Jack. Thanks very much. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Uh, me, me and Joe have done a little bit of background research on yourself. Had a look on your website, and that all all very very interesting. Um, but what what we'd like to hit it off with is how you um, how you got started in property, sort of as far back as you could go. Um, the struggles of getting started and, and how you sort of found your way?
0: Yeah, so probably like a lot of people, I um, the first property I bought I actually lived in and that yep. was I a while ago now, that was 2002 in Dublin and um, it kind of went from the excitement of buying a house or buying an apartment I should say, then trying to do DIY badly in the apartment, <laughs> but doing that. To then, you know, two thousand two was such a different time, particularly compared to just now. But two thousand two was all about capital appreciation, and particularly in in, in Dublin and in, in Ireland. Um, and what I kind of realised, you know, by kind of two thousand and three was that the apartment had gone up enough that I could basically take equity out of it, and I could then um, use that as a deposit for a two bedroom apartment for for me to move into and keep my one bedroom apartment and the kind of beauty of it was that the rent that would come in would cover my mortgage and i say in 2002 the way I operated I'm not saying it was right but and I think the way a lot of other people did was people were just really investing for capital growth so they didn't really care that we'd make that much of a profit off it but as long as we could release the equity and buy something else then over time everything would, would go up in value so that enabled me to get a kind of a two-bedroom apartment in Dublin quite quickly. And then, you know, as the buzz was then, as well, it was about buying overseas. then as the other property went up in value, kind of thought I need to get into the overseas market. So I sensibly or stupidly bought a place in Bulgaria, thinking, again, that the capital values would, would, would just go up. Um, obviously, it then... It came to kind of 2007, 2008, and the whole market collapsed from kind of a capital growth perspective. And at that time, I'd also bought another place in, in the UK as well. And I ended up being in the situation that um, all the houses were in negative equity, basically. Um, and at the same time, I, you know, I'd i been working as a management consultant um, in, in kind of different places in, in UK, Ireland, Turkey, um, the US, etc. So I've been kind of doing that as my day job along with it. And really 2007, 2008, I just stepped away from the market. I just thought this this stuff doesn't work. I'm wrong. I'm going to have to keep forging ahead with a corporate career. And and I did that relatively successfully for for a couple more years. But then in 2011, kind of came back to me that... You know, I actually got more of a buzz of renting the houses and getting a tenant in them than what I did of selling, you know, a million pound project for my work. So I started to get educated again back in 2011, you know, that there was forums like Singing Pig. Um, I don't even know if Facebook was alive then. I certainly wasn't on it. But anyway, <laughs> I spent a lot of time on Singing Pig and um, some other kind of online forums, etc., All of a sudden then, you know, the the idea about buying for cash flow was kind of what everyone was then doing. So I then kind of worked out in my head, well, I could buy some of these terraced houses, you know, anything between 60 to 80 grand, and you'd get people in it and, you know, your yield would be quite good. Um, So I kind of did that for a bit, but then what I realized relatively quickly was that the yield on paper was good, but if your actual nominal money was quite low, which it will be at a five hundred quid or six hundred quid rent. That by the time you pay for a boiler or um, you know a repaint of the house, your your year's profits almost gone in, in, in a one Yeah. Um, so then, as uh, I was continuing to get educated, I then um, started to buy multi lets in Liverpool. So you know, when you you take a house and instead of renting one AST, you you rent it to a group of people. My preferred strategy at that time was for students. Again, you can still get relatively well-priced houses in student areas, um, and you rent them as, as three to, to to four beds with doing relatively little work to them, and, and there's quite high demand. It's um, so kind of 2011 to 2015, I think it was. I you know I, I did things a really old traditional way. I was overseas. I was in Dubai at the time, and you know I basically would save up cash, buy a house do the work, then we'd add a bit of value to it, and then we would refinance it. Um, but, but it took quite a bit of time to do. So I think 2015, I had 10 houses. Um, but some of them were, were you know, underwater. You know, and Half of them were underwater in terms of stuff in Ireland, stuff in Bulgaria. And then just some of the, the little terraces we bought weren't making any money. And then three others I owned with a joint venture partner. And 2000, kind of whatever, fourteen, fifteen, and I really had fallen out in love with the corporate world, kind of felt a bit caught in it. Um, marriage had fallen apart, um, I was living in Dubai, my ex-wife and son had come back to the UK and I, I really wanted to get myself back to the UK and really wanted to be working out, out of the corporate world. Uh, and I was going to um Dubai from Manchester Airport. And I was kind of feeling a bit sorry for myself, thinking, you know, it was 1st of January. And I was just kind of thinking, God, you know, I'm 6,000 kilometers away. I would rather be here, go to do a job I don't like, you know, I, just feeling sorry for myself. And, and anyway, I had a couple of m- copies of YPN magazine with me. And the bit I kind of noticed from reading YPN was there seemed to be a whole lot of people who kind of built up a business they seem to have less um, probably experienced than me and less, um, you know, not such a well-paid job. And I kind of thought, how come all these people have managed to, you know, go full-time? But, yeah, I seem to struggle to, to do it. And what I noticed was a lot of them had kind of invested in themselves and they'd, they'd done a training program or they'd got a mentor. Um, and I'm Scottish, don't really like spending money, so I'm pretty skeptical of all of that. So I did, did quite a bit of research and I ended up speaking to a lot of people. But without going into the, to the whole detail, but the due diligence of that, I ended up doing Simon Zucci's mastermind program. And that was, you know, without a doubt for me, was the best investment I've made. Did that in 2015 for, for, for 12 months. And that just enabled me to help to kind of scale my business quite significantly. You know, within 12 months of doing that, I managed to give up the job, come back to the, the UK um, and focus full-time on the kind of property businesses so you know we, we kind of managed to grow it you know now we've got like 40 individual units um, a mixture of HMOs single lets and commercials we've got about 160 tenants I think in total across the the portfolio um, got um, developed businesses so we, we've developed about 60 apartments from Hamilton Square and the Wirral down to, to Plymouth on the south coast and right. um, still, still 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 got one of them left to sell which is interesting these times um, we've got a small finance business where we kind of help other investors who have kind of got a bit of education but need to raise money um, on, on, on a first charge basis so, so we work with with some of them and we also do kind of um, training and mentoring for people who've either started their property business, but haven't managed to scale it or systemize it to the level they wanted. And also for people who are really in, in the corporate world, uh, want to get their time back and, you know, want to to kind of leverage off what, what, what property can do. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a property geek, um, you know, it's really, I mean, income is good from it, but... It's really but I like doing deals, I like transforming buildings from old stuff, new stuff. I like being able to add value to something so you can kind of refinance a bit more. And then I like to give a good product either to an investor or to a tenant or, or, or someone that I'm actually working with. I just, I really like the tangibility of property that you see the end, end use and There's lots of touch points to the guys that you employ to do the work the brokers you use the solicitors, whereas in, in the corporate world, I felt we were just kind of going round in a hamster wheel, creating stuff that really didn't get deployed and really didn't add value
1: a lot of the time.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. That was really, really, really good. Really, really interesting background. Um, one thing that I just wanted to ask, Billy, if, if you could sort of give advice to yourself going back from when you first got started, is there anything you'd change or a certain type of investment you'd be more drawn to if you could go back and, and start again?
0: <laughs> i wouldn't have bought in bulgaria
1: <laughs> um, i don't i mean look,
0: even if you think that, that that one i mean one of the good things about property is it's a bit like a bad haircut you know over time it can still come back you know so yeah. take that one dublin for example so i bought that at 190,000 euros and the peak it went up to 330 in wow. the crash it went down to about 140 um, I've still got it now, so it's still worth, um, you know, it's only worth probably about 200 now, it's probably just sneaked above it, but the because it tracked uh, European rate, you know, the, the and was a tracker, I mean, the, the interest is ridiculously low, um, and I've, I actually do that one capital and repayment, but you know, the, the reality is I've got two years and then it's unencumbered, but I think my monthly interest on that just now, probably about 35, 36 euros, and I managed to rent it out for I think twelve fifty, and that that's under market with the same tenant for nine years. So I've been okay. And the rental price have jumped significantly in it, yeah. um, but still, you know, it, it 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 makes a good income from it. Um, you know, would I've liked to sell it out at three thirty? Yeah, in, in, in an ideal world. But yeah. the, there's nothing I think specifically I would have changed because part of it is is the journey. Part of it is is learning about it, and you know you, you can never get everything right every time you hit a target you just set another target and, and, and do it um, I wish the, the only thing I'd change, I changed I wish I'd got educated before um, rather than different property strategies. I wish I'd kind of got educated and kind of had opened my head to to that part of um, information and knowledge to help fast track you. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, at the moment, so like, um, obviously, um, at the time of recording this, like we're in the middle of a pandemic, um, yeah. the coronavirus. How has your business kind of adjusted to what's going on at the moment? Yeah, so kind of look at it in several ways, you know, the first from kind of a personal level, um, you know, if you think when this really kind of happened, it was kind of a couple of weeks ago, and. We almost, you know, quite naively, just didn't even think about it too much. I kind of realised when it was going on in China, what's happening, then yeah. it was quite distant. And then when it was on in Italy, even then, I don't think many people, including me in the UK, seemed to say much about it. And then when it kind of hit here and there was a couple of cases, no one seemed to do anything. And I just remember there was a, what, what it was almost probably what it was it the first press conference and um, it was, you know, just kind of coming out that, you know, what was happening to restaurants, what was happening to pubs. And, and, you know, I think at that point, Italy was getting quite high number of deaths. And there was yeah. kind of a of fear about the country. And, you know, I openly put my hand up and went into that same thing. You know, it's kind of the what is a virus? What's this invisible thing? Um, all, all you're hearing about is deaths and something that you can't control and you can't see. So kind of we definitely went through a bit of a panic with that. And then when kind of government announcements were coming out, you know, and I think the government actually done a good job, you know, the transport business and, and employees, but you know, went through a process from you hearing, okay, people don't have to pay rent for three months, and that was before anything But mortgage holidays or anything come out. And it was like, my God, like if people don't pay rent, then everything is shut down. Um, then okay, your building sites might be open, they might not be open more, well, but we've got developments on the go, and we've got bridges on the go. Um, you know to okay you, you can't do viewings right well or how can we fill our rooms um how can we sell our, our, our development? so went for a long time of kind of shock in terms of what the hell's going on in the world well, you know you know, am i going to die? Is family members going to die um, and then i can't do the business and you know there's a couple of things i did I, I kind of actually got into the data quite a lot and actually understood what the hell the the virus was um you know, in, in a very simple term, I'm certainly not trying to belittle it, but you know, it is like the flu, so it's not a, it's not a new disease that's out there. You know, these, these viruses do do exist. So you're getting rid of that thing that you just almost get get attacked by a zombie and die. Um, and then also you're working out what my you know, my worst case scenario was. And I find that quite useful. You know, so you actually think everything goes away, you know, you're you're in lockdown for eighteen months, so you, you go bankrupt because you can't service anything. It's kind of like, well, if I had to start again, you know, I could simply move into a rented terrace house rather than owning my own house. Um, if everything had got nationalized by the government, I could get a job driving, could get a job in in, in Tesco's, You know, and, and yeah. you, you, you put yourself in worst case scenario and say, well, okay, you could still pay your bills, still operate, you'll go camping each year, you go to caravan. Rather than going on five star holidays, it's kind of actually understanding your world wouldn't come to an end. going to get grounded, and then actually doing a lot of stuff about the the actual data as well. You know, so seeing you know the, the curves in China in terms of it coming out of lockdown, being back to to business, and it's really good now. You, you look at the curves now. Iran's the second country that's now got less active cases. So actually understanding what what it was. So you. Know, getting rid of the fear, getting the realities, you know, knowing that we're going to go through the curve. At one point, we'll go out, there will be social distancing, so, so this will definitely be long-lasting. Yeah. But then say, what, what, what do you actually need to do to plan for this? And then, you know, basically ripping up what the business plan was for 2020 um, and, and then kind of saying, you know, you can plan for 30 days now and then you can plan for the next 30 days and I'm kind of seven days into that 30 days and what I basically did was I I looked at areas of the business that, that I had to focus on so stuff you know stuff like finishing what I've started you know, so what are we doing with our existing development how are we going to make the tills ring when we're out of this you know so we're going to have rooms empty we've got student houses we haven't been able to um show to people so again they're they're going to be empty so kind of um as those tenancies finish what what are we going to do with that you're know, Also, you're know, making sure we've got kind of risk management plans in place, you know, so conversations with all joint venture partners so we're clear about the value of all properties. If anything happens to, you know, make morbid stuff, making sure like our wills are up to date, making sure that um, I've got a last day wishes document, making sure all, all, all of that's um, up to date. Also then spending a bit of time thinking about how this changes me, the business, what, what, what I want from it. I've been... Um, you know well I'll I'll come to that later and then another bit about how to to raise finance through it so you're just putting the blocks down that I really needed to to focus on and then actually mapping out the tasks under each of them and then you're putting that into diary basically for 30 days Um, and then we'll revisit that again in in 30 days as the situation becomes a bit um, clearer you know there's kind of a phrase at the moment you know plan um you know, hope for the best but but plan for the worst and yeah. it's really having both of them on the go at the same time but you you've either got two approaches to this you kind of do I don't mean a bad way but you either put your head in the sand and ignore it or you just see the downside and everything's bad and we're never going to get out of it and if you do that you won't it's is the reality or you can plan that you will get out of it and you know I, I'm expecting could be totally wrong but I think you know we, we'll be out of this within three to five weeks as in terms of lockdown and the type of property business we can get back just there'll, there'll be lots of changes you know that there will still be and there may well be stuff when you check people in for example you, you may actually take their temperature and and um, make sure that they definitely don't have the virus etc that there'll, there'll be stuff about virtual tours we'll, we'll use a lot more of I'm sure sites will still have your social distancing stuff on them, yeah. et cetera. So we'll, we'll definitely have to adapt to stuff, but I think we've got to be ready for when, when we can get back to business as usual and making sure you've got everything lined up to to go. And then, you know, make, making sure as well. So I, have, I deliberately haven't taken mortgage holidays because I don't um, trust that it won't be used against you at a later date. Um, you we know, have gone through utility companies, for example, and kind of explain the situation and where we can do reduced direct debits. You know, have spoken to certain providers I've worked with for a long time, saying that you know that the next six months are going to be good. Obviously, I still want to work with you, but could we do a deal on um, what we're paying in terms of your supply? So we'll pay so much now, and then we'll catch up with extra payment to the end because. The the bit that caught us out, and and the bit I would do differently, is I always thought I was quite well um, liquid and funded. So we've always kept three months operating costs in the business, about 100 grand. Um, That would mean we couldn't take anything in, we'd be fine. But we've also then had unencumbered property. So we've got about a million of unencumbered property that we always thought if we ever needed something quite quickly, we'd simply just sell one of them or we'd raise finance on them. And we're going through that process, but, you know, Challenges one about getting values etc. There's challenges just with legal stuff because there there always is. But there's also challenges about well, certain lenders want to reduce your know, really low loan to values. Certain stuff we didn't want to do, you know, some of the stuff that's unencumbered, we're going to be doing work to it. They really don't want to be taking out money now when I'd rather be taking that out in three, four months down the, the, the line when it's done because it's extra cost. but. The reality is knowing that you know cash is king at the moment. spending time, doing that, um, and you know, and just having a realization that you know, again, we're going to have a blip. You know, we typically, you know, only ever have one or two houses empty, and we go in and we refurb them, and and then they go again. So we no, we normally operate you know pretty full capacity. Whereas we've had we're going to have three months where we're being choked basically, where we can't let rooms, where we can't do it. So so we're going to have a situation. Come the first of, of July, I know we're, we're going to have houses empty, and we'll we we'll, we'll, we'll need to address that. And um, you know, but 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 it is what it is. You know, it, it's just working yeah. with all those things. And I think just you know, again, the reality is, I've got friends who are in the catering room, the bar business. You know, their businesses are are stuffed. Yeah, you know, I kind of think in the property business. You know, in a scale of one to 10, you know, 10 being you're really badly affected by this. I'd, I'd argue we're affected like at two or three. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: and, you know, it it will end, we will come out of it, and, and there will be upside at the end of it. I mean, for so probably a lot of people can't see that, but I'll, I'll guarantee you, you know, we'll make changes to the business. So, so we'll, you know, we've already some of the stuff gets so out. We'll go from holding three month cash reserves to holding six month cash reserves. So we're, we can never be caught out like this again, then with the aim to increase that to, to 12 months over, um, you know, a couple of years. Um, I, th- I think we'll, we'll end up using technology a lot better for viewings, etc. cetera. Yeah. Uh, again, just, just thinking about how, you know, one of the other good things I've found from this is how good your kind of supply chain is, so how good the people are who work with you, the tools you've got, the processes. And, and you, you see quite clearly those that step up and, and do above what they what they have to do for you, yeah. and I'm you know hugely grateful for that. And, and and also seeing parts of the supply chain that doesn't work so well, and they don't actually need it, and, and, and there's an easier way to do stuff
1: yeah yeah no definitely definitely agree with that we, we've noticed um one or two projects that, that we've sourced recently um sort of the the and project manager they've still been going out there surveys have still been done they've still managed to get things done and even when speaking to certain agents some agents are just like they answer the phone they're like no not not working no virtual viewings not doing anything and then on the other hand they, you know the smaller agents are one-stop shop they they're doing the full whack virtual viewings uh, lock boxes, dropping keys off, they're doing everything they can to keep going. So what you just said there really um, it really does make sense to, to what we've been seeing as well.
0: Yeah, and I, think, I mean, that's always been my strategy in terms of, of people I want to partner with. So, so I typically, whether it's my architect, whether it's, it's kind of agents, um, accountants, not so much, just a little bit bigger, but I kind of like people who are on the kind of entrepreneurial journey. You, yeah. you still get contact with the owner direct to them um you know they're they're at the point when they're they're slightly bigger than a one-man band but they're they're not the point with multiple shops multiple people to go through and and i just find you it's the sweet spot in terms of service and price you know when when stuff gets too big service just gets a bit too standardized
1: yeah yeah no i I completely agree um so obviously with everything that's going on at the moment me, me and joe we, we've had many discussions about it and, and agree that we've just sort of like um, come to a, a, an agreement that we're just going to just plod on and carry on and try and take as many opportunities as we, as we can right now. Where do you see the opportunity in the market yourself? Is there anything that with this going on, you're now f- going to focus on?
0: Yeah, I think, I, I think understanding what will happen is, is probably sensible. So if you think, I, I can see there'll be three groups of people that will come post this, you know, the First group of people that will just kind of think, my God, being actually owning my own business is just a pain in the neck. I do it for years. I don't make any money. I've got very little support, um, you know, from from kind of government society. I want to actually go back into a big company and and job. So some of those will potentially be looking to sell stuff. There will also be people that I think will probably be a bit more like me who will have to sort out a bit of a mess that's been created from this. And they'll kind of have to trade their way through it and still be just totally committed to it, but probably won't be as aggressive in their growth as, as what they were previously. And um, so, again, some of them won't be in the market so that there'll be less people to compete against. And then the third group of people will be people who are kind of in a very lucky position who are, are sitting with, with money in the bank, you know, so maybe that they're in a corporate job, they've got savings, or maybe they're just. Uh, very liquid company, you know, you give it an extreme, I what's the thing with Warren Buffett, you know, he's got 220, Hathaway, like, 220 billion of equities and 110 billion of cash. It's just kind of two, wow. the, a completely different version of liquidity. But so, so you get three groups of people coming in and, and ultimately, you know, you, you can't shrink your way to, to greatness. So at a certain point, everyone does need to think about where the growth will be in the market. And, um, where I think the growth will be, or, or not where I think it will be, I, th- I think there will be lots of places. I think service accommodation is going to fall off a cliff. And then I think very few people will be left in it. And then there will be a bit of a bounce for those that can actually hold it out. And you know, service accommodation will fall because people will put it to single let. There's a lot of people who are doing rent-to-rent deals that will, will put it back to the landlord. Um, probably at the time not a very good manner. But the, the landlords will be thinking, what the hell is this? Um so, you know, and and some people will just go to the wall because it, it'll be difficult. But but at one point, I think that that'll come back. I think that's more a high risk strategy. And I also think it's more um, volatile based on, on a lot of stuff. But I do think there'll, there'll be opportunities in it. I think the, the HMO market will be interesting because there's definitely going to be more unemployment. There's going to be more pressure on wages. So I'm not quite sure whether that will mean more people will end up going to HMOs because they they need cheaper places to stay, or yeah. will it actually mean people will go back home? Um, and and I also think just the the, the layout of or, or the positioning of HMOs may change as well. You know, I mean, retail will, will will be hugely hit, particularly in the big shopping centres, and it was getting hugely hit before. So it's just like how quick will that changes take from. Having people employed you know in kind of retail to you know, having you know, we'll have lots more people employed in the NHS with we'll lots more people employed in pharma testing all of that stuff will, will, will grow hugely. but the the strategy that, that I'm doing and I was actually doing beforehand, but I think this, this will just um, accelerate it somewhat is I, I've typically been getting commercial properties from tired landlords um, and that could either be the business owner that, that owns the property or it could be a pension fund that owns it. Um, when I say commercial buildings, you know, examples of the ones I bought recently, um, so I bought a cafe and, and a bar with an office on top of it in uh, Manchester last year. And you know, we, we basically extended the cafe and the bar for a, a longer lease period, it was two years on it, did it to 12 years. And then we've converted the office into residential under permitted development, so it's site live now. So, you know it's going to two one-bedroom apartments. So, re- what I call, you know, relatively simple builds. You know, something about sixty, seventy grand, um, but then relatively risk-free as well. So it's one-bedroom apartments. They'll they'll rent well. Um, also, with with the commercial, you know, we, we kind of made the, the decision that you know it's the it's quite a big cafe bar, but it's it's the last um, building on the streets next to the train station. So an ideal scenario is, you know, in 10 years' time, maybe a Costa Coffee could come in and take it. But also, you've been aware of some of the, the challenges with the high street. You know, in 10 years' time, the high street is completely dead. Well, it's the last building on the high street, so I'd be relatively confident that we could then convert downstairs into residential. Um, then no, another one that we we closed on really the, the day the pandemic struck. So we, we've had to mothball it, but it's an estate agency business and it's got a, um, an apartment above it. So we'll be looking to um, rejig that basically into, you know, one bedroom apartment above an office downstairs. That'll get changed to two, two bedroom apartments. Um, and, you know, Quite because we do have a tenant, so we just need to kind of work through it when that will happen. But, um, you know, we'll do the right thing, which I'm not going to ask anyone to leave just now. And we would, you know, we've got architectural plans drawn up, we'll get our building regs drawn up. Um, question mark whether it's worth going to to, to get the bids in or not because it it could be six months before we can even start the work. So, um, but yeah, we will have everything there ready to go. But, but I I do think these kind of buildings that are you know, commercial and potentially with uppers above them, a lot of those businesses were were already being hit from it and I think they'll continue to be hit. And um, there'll there'll be opportunities there. A lot of the time as well, they're owned by SIP pensions and a lot of the time people just buy them because they're in their pension and they think, oh, you know, they see the yield on it and then as soon as a tenant goes, they're kind of like, oh, God, well, half my rent's not coming in and don't really want to be a landlord. And a lot of the people don't know what you can do under permitted development, for example, you know, so yeah. when I'm doing these commercials, you know, I, I do want to keep um, part of them commercial down, downstairs. Cause I also do think high street will come back. I do, but I think it'll just be different. I think it will be more niche products and offerings. I, I don't think the, the reality is, you know, we all want to just sit inside and people find out now anyway and order stuff on online. Actually, I absolutely think people do want to go to community and, whether they're more art gallery, more kind of boutique shops and, 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 and restaurants, coffee shops. I, I think that'll come back. So, you know, um, we're kind of doing it that, you know, so, for example, the, the you know ones that we'll buy, you know, is, for example, well, there's an office there and we couldn't change it. Well, I know I could move in there as, as my own office. So I've got a kind of a, a get out of jail card for it. Or, um, you know, if it was a cafe restaurant, you know, would I be prepared to run it? And the, the answer is yes, as in I'd get a manager in and, and do something. So something that could potentially be a bit of fun as well that that I'd be up for. But we're really trying to maximise the residential. So, you know, doing stuff like when you buy it, you can kind of say that you're under permitted development. As long as you keep the shop front, you can then build out um, the, the back. So you can maybe have a very small office at the shop front. You can maybe have a small barber shop at the shop front, you could maybe have a small um art gallery for 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 your, for your local artists to to do stuff in um you know the reality is it could be so small you, you could even just have it empty you know um, yeah. if you're then put, you then know, i mean again it depends on 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 the size but um you know the point is if you, if you can get those buildings and then you you do some apartments above them and you do like a one bedroom apartment downstairs um you know, there's still a shortage of housing and there, you know, there's been a lot of HMO developments. There's been a lot of new build stuff. I question, you know, just kind of good quality, standard kind of one bedroom studios, not trying to be too boutiquey, just how many of them are, are about there at the moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's great. So is that that's sort of the strategy you're going to be using going forward as well, the permitted developments? Is that, uh, how, yeah. how, how's that been?
0: how has it been did you see? yeah
1: yeah what's the experience like does it is is it a lot easier than people can sort of understand and expect
0: yeah so certainly the the, the bar and the camp if you know you know get to know what the permitted development stuff is So stuff like having you know two apartments above a shop it comes under permitted development you know being able to keep the shop front and put something behind it comes under permitted development so knowing what that is, you know, then knowing what kind of buildings fit that, and then, you know, being aware of what the process is, you know. So, I mean, my architect deals with it, you know, he comes out, he does the plans, we submit it, you know, you'll still get stuff. Permitted development doesn't mean you can just do it with nothing else. So, in in the bar Cafe, you know, we've had to change windows, we've had to do flooring for for noise insulation, we've had to do bin storage. So, it's, you know, you'll get it, but you'll get it with conditions. From the council, um, and yeah, it takes time. You know, everything property takes longer that, 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 than it should do, but it's uh, mm. it's a reasonable process to go through once you know it. Yeah, that sounds good. Sounds excellent. Um, is there any advice that you'd give to newcomers, new people starting off in property? Yeah. Um, Oh, that's a good question. Um, re- really work out what you want from it. You know, do you want to be a landlord? Do you do you want to be an investor? Do you want to be a business owner? There, there are three very different things, and then work out why. What you don't want to do is, is end up creating something that becomes a, a monster. Um, and I would say, you know, get get educated. You know, get 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 the knowledge, but then also just get on with it. You know, again, too many people spend too long just doing education and not bloody doing anything with it. You know, do a mixture of Actually, accepting that your best, your first deal will not be your best deal, but you'll actually learn. Loads. You know, so even you know stuff in Bulgaria, stuff in Ireland, that have never made money in terms of capital. I've learned loads by doing them. You know, whereas some of the deals worked really well, I, I probably haven't learned loads from, and you know, did things that I shouldn't have done, and, and I was just lucky with it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that would be work out what you want to do. You know, landlord, investor, business owner get yourself educated, but but, but take action with it as well. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's been great. Um, Basically, thanks very much, Billy, for coming on. Um, Where can people get in contact with you if they want to reach out? Yeah, so you can email me at billy at billyturriff.com. It's Turriff spelled T-U-R-R-I-R-F or um, I'm on Facebook as well, so you can contact me through that. Perfect, that's that's brilliant.
1: I think we we'll potentially have you on again, Billy, in the future?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Be nice to speak to you guys and tell you what's happened, probably in July, August, and see how we're doing.
1: Yeah, that that'd be really interesting. That'd be really good.
0: Cool. Appreciate right. it.
1: That's been great. Thanks very, much. Thanks very much.
0: Great lads. Take care and speak soon.
1: Cheers. Bye. We talk about property, business, and everything in between. Hosted by Jack Heskin-Taylor and Joe McCarthy. Sharing the stories of entrepreneurs, property investors, and our journey to health, wealth, and happiness.
0: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting
1: even softer over time.